second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence starts this way. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm not sure if it's exactly what they intended, but the Founding Fathers certainly understood happiness, didn't they? Because it is said, they said it was something to be pursued. My guess is your life has been a pursuit of happiness because as soon as you seem to catch it, it's gone. And just as quickly, you are on another pursuit, right? Of happiness, trying to find the next thing that is going to make you happy. So what is it in your life? What is it in your life that brings you happiness? Perhaps it's that feeling at work you get after completing a big project or, or, or landing the deal, right? That, that feeling of, of satisfaction that you, you put in a hard amount of, of effort and work and it paid off and that happiness is one that expresses a joy and a relief and a, a pride of, of what you've accomplished. Kids, perhaps that might, happiness might show itself in a report card that comes home and the grades are, are maybe what you expected or, or maybe even better. Perhaps it's in something you did on the sports, in, in, on the sports field. Perhaps it's something that you, you did as you interacted and, and hung out with friends. But there was happiness there, joy, right? You were laughing and smiling and, and excited about the things that you were being able to do. Parents, perhaps some of that happiness comes from your kids or your spouse, right? Those relationships that we have with those closest to us, we, we see the things that they do, the things that they're, they're going through, and we're excited for them and, and excited about the things that we get to do together with them, and there's happiness. Maybe it's traveling. Maybe there's a, a certain spot in, on this planet that brings you happiness, right? So that on those dark and dreary days, you can go to your happy place, right? And it's that, that place where you know, and, and, and even if you're only there in your mind's eye, there's a smile on your face because there's happiness. Regardless of what it is. Regardless of, of what it is in, in your life that brings you happiness, you have to agree that that emotional feeling of joy and happiness is one that seems to be here now and not long after that, gone. Sometimes because another situation comes up that, that robs you of that happiness. Sometimes because, well, life just goes on and, and other things are, are going on and the happiness is there for a moment and, and then gone. And so... As soon as that happiness leaves, we are in pursuit of it again, aren't we? Chasing after it. Hoping that the next thing that, that comes into our life or the, the next part of life is going to bring another feeling of joy and, and happiness and elation. But perhaps after a while, that pursuit gets tiring, doesn't it? Because after pursuing happiness you quickly realize that it's something that 
no matter how hard I try, it's something I catch and just it slips through my fingers. It'd be nice if there was a, a lasting happiness, huh? So perhaps it's why our ears per, maybe perked up when we heard our, our, our gospel lesson this morning. The Beatitudes, right? Where Jesus says, blessed is the one, and he, he lists off a number of different things. And perhaps your ears perked up because you recognize that another way of saying blessed is happy. But when Jesus talks about being blessed in the Sermon on the Mount, some of his perhaps most famous, most well-known words, he isn't talking about the same kind of happiness that you and I think of when we think of pursuing happiness or trying to find happiness in life. Because as you and I have experienced, that happiness is very much an emotional thing, right? Here today and gone tomorrow, if we're lucky to have it last till tomorrow. No, the, the happiness that Jesus is talking about is, is far different. Because it isn't based on or found in the same things that you and I search for happiness in. And so as we listen to these words from Jesus this morning, words, my guess is, we've heard before. Sometimes, perhaps in church, sometimes quoted outside of church. We're going to hear Jesus begin to point his disciples, his followers, you and me, to a place where we can find that happiness that isn't just here today and gone tomorrow, but it's here today and tomorrow and the day after and ultimately will extend into eternity. As we look at Jesus' words, the first, things, the first thing we have to take note of is who Jesus is talking to. Because it makes a difference. Right? We're told that Jesus sat down on a hillside and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So who is Jesus preaching to as he gives this sermon on the mount? His disciples. Right? His followers. So everything that follows, if you were to start reading in Matthew chapter 5, and by the time you finish Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, this whole section, this whole discourse that Jesus has, has given is given to people who are following him. And as, so that as you read the different things Jesus is talking about, what he is doing is giving his disciples a, a picture, an idea, some guidelines of what it looks like to live as a child of God. He isn't talking about how a person is saved. He isn't talking about, about how an unbeliever is to live. He's, he's addressing, in essence, you and me in this. And saying, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, as a child of God, here are some things you should know. And he begins with that word, blessed. Now what we're going to do is just look at the first four statements Jesus makes because those first four really are, are talking about an attitude that we have, a disposition we have toward God. Right? And so what does Jesus say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Boy, he starts out really strong, doesn't he? Like, just happy is the person who mourns. Happy is the person who is poor in spirit. Those, I'm sure those are the things that you look for in happiness here on earth, right? I find happiness in mourning and crying. I find happiness in being poor in spirit. Again, remember who Jesus is talking to. 
so that we look and say, when we talk about happy is the person who is poor in spirit, the first question we can ask ourselves to help us understand what Jesus is saying is, how is a child of God poor in spirit? And we heard it just a few moments ago in our children's message, didn't we? That Jesus isn't talking about poverty. He isn't talking about how richly or how poorly he has blessed us. Poor in spirit means that if it's talking about our relationship with God, it means happy is the man who recognizes that I have nothing to offer God. That I come before God a poor, sinful human being with nothing to offer him. Right? I, I can't point at my works and suddenly say, look at the things that I've done in this world, Lord. You should be happy with these things because every last one of them, even the really good ones, are still touched and tainted by sin, aren't they? Perhaps the motivation of our heart at times is one where I do things just so that, that people can see it. And while it's a good thing, the motivation behind it, well, isn't so great. Happy is the man. Happy is the one who comes to God poor in spirit because he recognizes, I've got nothing, Lord, that you need. Nothing I do is something that ultimately is really pleasing to you because I am a poor, sinful human being. I have part of me that wants nothing to do with you, that, in fact, takes every opportunity it can to rebel against you. Jesus follows it up, too, doesn't he? Blessed are those who mourn. So why would a child of God mourn? Jesus isn't just talking about those hardships and trials and, and difficulties that we have in life that might bring a, a tear to our eye. But again, he's talking about that disposition we have toward God. What would make a child of God mournful before God? Is sin, right? That as I recognize my, my, how poor I am in spirit, and I recognize not only my sinful nature, but all those times that now I rebel against God, what the child of God is going to end up doing before God is, is mourning. Because I have a God who, who loves me and cares for me, who provides for me. And all too often, the way I respond isn't by showing my love for him, by doing the things he's called me to do. Instead, as Paul says, the evil I don't want to do, this is what I keep on doing. And the good I want to do, that's not what I end up doing. And then Jesus goes on, doesn't he? He says, blessed are the, the, the meek, right? Not proud, not boastful. But if I understand I'm poor in spirit and I mourn over my sin, what I come then before my God is, is one of, of humility. Of Lord, I have nothing to offer. I, I stand before you as a poor sinful human being who's recognized his sin. I have nothing to be proud of before you, Lord. Blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Have you ever been really hungry or really thirsty? I remember on one of our family vacations when I was a kid, we, we were in Boston, and we, were, uh, we went and decided to walk 
Uh, we went to the, Const the USS Constitution in the morning, which was the, one of the old three-masted ships that was sitting in the harbor. And from there, we decided what we were going to do was, was walk the Freedom Trail and go to all the different spots. We looked and figured it can't be that long. We were wrong. I remember by the time we got to one of the churches that was at the, near the end of that church, I was so hungry. Like, it wasn't just like the growling, but it was like the pit of the stomach, like, I hope I get food soon because this is not going to turn out well. Now, granted, I was a kid, so I'm fairly certain that even as I was, I might have been exaggerating a little bit, but in my mind, I was not, and it was very serious. But I was hungry. I remember the, having the same feeling. We hiked the Grand Canyon, coming out of it, having this hunger and this thirst for something good to eat and something that wasn't lukewarm water. Right? You have, have I'm, I'm sure you've had that feeling before, right? And so Jesus says, that's the picture, right? Someone who is hungering and, and thirsting and craving for righteousness, of being in this right relationship with God, of having a righteousness that he knows he can't provide on his own, that only God can give him. Right? Those kind of people are blessed. Far different than the kind of blessedness and happiness that you would expect in this world, right? Almost the exact opposite. And look at how Jesus responds. Blessed is the, the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When I come to my God recognizing my sin with nothing to offer him, recognizing that I am, am poor before God, what does God give me? The thing I wouldn't expect, the riches of heaven. Right? The Apostle Paul wrote in one of his letters that, that Christ Jesus became poor so that I might become rich. Right? When I recognize my, my, how poor I am before God, my God responds by coming and telling me, your sin is forgiven. Right? What I have in store for you are the very riches of heaven. What, what, is, what it belongs to God now belongs to you because you are a child of God. And he follows it up, right? Blessed are those who are mourned because they will be comforted. How does God comfort a, a repentant child of God who comes to him mourning over his sins? He says, look at what I've done for you. I saw your sin, and the way I chose to respond to it was by sending my own son to come and take care of that sin. And he comes and he forgives that sin and he assures you that not only has that sin been taken care of, but your guilt is gone. That you are a, a child of God. And so there in the moment where my, my sin bothers me the worst and I have tears in my eyes because I've, I've rebelled against God, God comes and he puts his arm around me and says, you are still my child. I love you dearly. I love you so much I was willing to live and die for you to, in order to assure you that your sin is forgiven. Right, he says... Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Humility is, today isn't exactly one of those traits that people respect and, and, and look for, right? Instead, they want to put forth their own agenda and show you how well they've done. Jesus says, as you recognize who you are as a child of God and you come before me in humility, what you are going to inherit is finally a, a new heaven and a new earth. Right? You are going to live with me forever? 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Right? Jesus, a little bit later in, in Matthew, tells us that, that we should, in keeping our priorities right, that we put first his kingdom and his righteousness first. Right, that as we hunger and thirst for the righteousness and forgiveness our Savior has given to us, he promises that he takes care of, he'll take care of every last one of our other needs. Think of now the, the child of God's reaction as he hears those words. That even though I recognize I am poor, because I am poor in spirit, God blesses me, right, by giving me the riches of heaven. When I see my sin and I'm filled with sorrow, God comes and he comforts me. Right? When I hunger and thirst for righteousness, when, when, I'm, when I am meek and, and humiliated, God comes and he says, this is what's waiting for you, right? What does that do to the child of God's heart? Is there not just a bit of joy there? over what our God has done for us and how he comes to us and he assures us that we are his children and that he's forgiven our sins. A bit of joy that, that comes and says, regardless of what's going on in my life, I am blessed because even though I am poor in spirit and have nothing to offer God, God gives me these unbelievable riches that I don't deserve. That regardless of what's going on in my life, whether I feel an emotional happiness or I'm in the, in, in the depths of despair and depression, whether I am happy or mourning because of circumstances here on earth, I have joy in my heart because my God comes and he comforts me with the, his promises that I'm his child and that I'm forgiven and that I have a home in heaven. Right? You begin to see that, that as Jesus is teaching his disciples, what he's laying out for them is Boy, as a child of God, as you live your life here among sinful human beings, as you as a, a sinful child of God live, you have something that will bring you joy regardless of what's going on here, here on earth. And that happiness begins to show itself, which is where Jesus takes us next, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Why can you and I suddenly become merciful? We think of the great mercy God has shown us, huh? How God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. When I keep that first and foremost in my mind, that the mercy my God has shown me, well, then, now it's a little bit easier to begin to show mercy to the people who maybe don't deserve my mercy. Right, he goes on, he says, Blessed, uh, for they will, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The child of God looks and says, I, I do not have a pure heart. Right? I have a heart that's sinful. I have a heart that likes to rebel against God. And so I pray that David's prayer in, in Psalm 51, right? Create in me, Lord, a pure heart. Lord, what I want you to do is, is create in me a heart that, that sees and understands your word and, and, and knows it and treasures it so that it begins to show itself in all I think and say and do. Right? And as I do that, as I pray that God would create a, a pure heart within me, 
I return to that happiness of all that my God has done for me, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. If you have kids, perhaps you've noticed that your, your kids begin to pick up traits, perhaps that one of their older siblings have. Right? You look and you see it in one child and suddenly another child's doing it because they decide, well, if my older brother or sister is doing it, it must be a good thing to do. Which works well sometimes, and other times you go, nah, not so well. In the book of Isaiah, do you remember how Isaiah, what Isaiah called Jesus? In that prophecy about Jesus and he, how he was going to be born, for he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it fit perfectly with Jesus' mission, didn't it? Because our sins have separated us from God, our sins make us hostile to God, and what did Jesus come to do? Bring peace. Right? He, he came to bring peace between God and man. He came to bring peace between you and your heavenly Father. And that's what he did. He was a peacemaker. And now through your baptism, God calls you a son and daughter of Christ. And what do we begin to imitate about our brother Jesus? Some of the same things he did. Like being a peacemaker. We will be called sons of God as we seek to, to bring peace. That we don't do things to rile others up. We don't do things to push people's buttons because we know we can, we can do it. Instead, we are peacemakers, like our brother. Then perhaps the hardest one, huh? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That would probably be the last moment in which I would say a, a, a child of, or a, a person is going to be happy, right? When they are being persecuted because of what they believe and what they've said. And even then, Jesus says, as a child of God, you can be happy. Why? Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Right? Jesus says, as a child of God, you have a reward that's waiting for you that will make whatever persecution you may endure here on earth seem like nothing. So where do you find happiness? We're so tempted to find happiness in all sorts of places, aren't we? But my guess is what you've realized is the more you try to find real, lasting happiness in those places, the quicker it slips through your fingers because as good as those blessings are that God gives us in, a, in our life, they were never meant to bring real, lasting happiness to us. Because that kind of happiness is only found in one place. It's only found in our Savior and what he's done for us. And so Jesus teaches his disciples as you look at the different situations and, and, and circumstances you find yourself in life, 
Don't look for happiness in things and in people and in places. Instead, blessed is the man, happy is the man who finds his happiness in his God and what his God has done for him. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, about three quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 1015 with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.